What's up, guys? Rick here with your betting and one-and-done preview for this week's Genesis Invitational. So we're going to go through some outright bets. We'll look at that market. We will look at some head-to-head betting matchups. We'll talk through the run-good one-and-done standings, and then we'll talk through some options for your one-and-done this week. Before we jump into that, if you have not seen, there is a new page on rickrungood.com. It is rickrungood.com slash bets. It is where the current best offers will live for you signing up for sportsbooks. So uh, not only have I have I expanded on the states for William Hill, now up to Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, New Jersey, and more on the way, but we've also added BetMGM and BetRivers. So there's Colorado, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Iowa, New Jersey. I mean, there's just constantly more states uh, being added, maybe more books being added. So if you've not taken advantage of these offers, because a lot of them are, are really good. Indiana is still offering $2,021 worth of free bets. That's bonkers. A lot of these are multiple hundreds of dollars in free bets. Um, so if you haven't taken advantage of them, uh, head over to rickrungood.com slash bets to do so. Uh, it helps me. It helps you. It helps everybody. It's a win-win. Um, so that is my plug for the day. Uh, let's jump into this week's betting preview and the Genesis Invitational. This right here is the tournament predictor tool on rickrungood.com. It simulates the golf tournament 1,000 times, and I've never seen it uh, look quite this ugly. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is there is almost no value in the outright market. In fact, the only golfer that even has a, a hair of value when you take the simulation results and you compare them to the bookmakers, the odds of, of how often they would have to win uh, is Rory McIlroy. And it's uh, just a smidge, just a tiny bit of value. I have him winning the simulation 7.6% of the time. His odds indicate he needs to win this golf tournament 7.4% of the time to pay off. So uh, even that value is incredibly tiny. And I think that there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, you know, the... The stacked field, uh, well, actually, we'll start with the other one first. You know, betting outrights um, it has, has never really been like the most valuable of bet. We've talked about that a lot on, on this channel. There's rarely a ton of value at the top of the board. Um, and also, like, books aren't letting you make a ton of money there, right? Like, you, you're playing outrights for a sweat, the ability to get... 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 times your money over the course of four days. That's very appealing. Books know that as well. So outright odds have historically never been great, uh, but they are really bad this week because also you get this top-heavy field, right? Like this, the, the win equity. And, and if you look at, and I'll sort my simulations by, by win percentage here, and I actually have Rory winning this the most, 7.6% of the time. Um, you know, still has the incredible ceiling, even though he hasn't been able to, to raise a trophy in a year. Uh, the ceiling is still there. Uh, Justin Thomas is, is next at 6%. Dustin Johnson, 5.8. Patrick Cantlay, 5.1. Xander at 4. And it goes down, you know, John Rahm, Adam Scott, Bryson DeChambeau. Um, if you look at that, I mean, what is that? The top eight golfers own, you know, quick math here, 13%, 11, that's 24 28, uh, like 40 percentish, like 35 to 40 percent of the win equity within the top eight golfers. And I think that's realistic, right? Like we have seen historically when you get really strong 
strengths, when you get a, a big strength of field number, when you get uh, a, essentially a short field, one where it's easier to make the cut or there is a no-cut event, so I'm talking about in, invitational WGC events, uh, it's the studs that win these golf tournaments. That's, that's, that's what happens. So I, I really do think that they own a lot of the win equity, not only in my simulations, but in actual reality as well. So um, the way that I'm going to treat this is essentially my outrights are going to come for the most part, the top 10, 12 guys on this board. And then I will use the longer shot guys to try to get some value in the top 10, top five, top 20 market. Um, where I think that they might be more interesting. And then, of course, the head-to-head matchups. That's been the bread and butter. Not only the the pre-tournament head-to-head matchups, but the in-game, the round-by-round stuff has been phenomenal. That, to me, is where I think the biggest edge is. Um, And actually, I made a video about this uh, probably a couple of months ago. I'll link it here, and I'll link it in the description for uh, some in-game betting strategy because I think it's it's relevant to talk about uh, often. All right, so where am I at in this uh, in this board here? So uh, uh, last week we all got Daniel Berger. Uh, he smashed and made everybody a winner. Uh, he just withdrew on Tuesday morning, so he's out. So he'll be removed from the tools. Make sure you don't place any wagers on him, or I guess your book will refund you uh, unless you play on some shady offshore book. But uh, otherwise, so I'm looking at this board. As much as I want to get more exposure to Dustin Johnson this year, uh, my plan to do that is via um, head-to-head matchups. It is via uh, DFS, one-and-dones, things like that, like pool-type situations. Five-and-a-half to one, which is what he is at at DraftKings right now, is really unbettable. I I mean, you're asking him to win this golf tournament like... 16% 16% of the time, something like that. It's just it's just not going to happen. I mean, he might win it a lot. He might win it 10%. He might win it 12%, but that's a big difference from the 16% that you're kind of asking him to win this at. And if he's if he's five and a half to one in this field, I'm not sure like we ever get a bettable Dustin Johnson number. It's, it's, it's really tough at the moment. So uh, where I think that the best value lies, I think there's two guys here. I think there is... Uh, Bryson, who's hanging a 17, right? He is now a winner multiple times in the restart. He did it at Rocket Mortgage. He did it at the U.S. Open. So when you're talking about outrights, we need guys who can win golf tournaments. He has gotten better every single year at Riviera. He has um, the driving distance, which is the third most important stat at Riviera. He has the uh, the putter. He's one of the best putters on tour. People don't realize that, which is one of the, the, the two most important stats at Riviera. So he has everything going for him um, outside of maybe the recent form of some of these other guys. It's not like he's played poorly. It's just not as good as what Dustin Johnson has done, what Xander Shoffley has done. You know, it's kind of funny to see Xander at 16 to one, Bryson at 17. I mean, can, those guys are on different planets when it comes to winning golf tournaments. When it comes to finishing inside the top five, that's a different story. Xander's kind of dominated that, and he's been phenomenal for 15 starts in a row. Uh, but winning golf tournaments, Bryson laps the field or, or laps Xander Shoffley here. So uh, I was surprised to see that. And then the other two that um, I thought were interesting were um, so Tony Finau, which. Don't don't get me started on the Tony Finau stuff. I know it has been 
four years since he's won a golf tournament. I know it was the Puerto Rico Open. I know that he has had many Sunday and weekend failures uh, over the past couple of years. And the argument for Finau is... There are few golfers who are playing as well as he is right now. You know, he finished second in Saudi Arabia, finished second uh, in his last start over here, which was um, Farmers? Was it Farmers? Or maybe Waste Management? It was Farmers, because then American Express, he had a top five there as well. So the, the, the argument with Tony Finau, and there's a lot of kind of data to back this up, where he hasn't necessarily played poorly on Sundays. Uh, the problem is he just shoots like a 68 or a 69 on every Sunday. And a lot of times on the PGA Tour, someone shoots a 64 and wins the golf tournament, right? Like, because 25 under par is going to win it. Um, probably not this week. You know, we see we saw the winning score last year be 11 under par. We saw Adam Scott shoot a 70. That's a one under on Sunday and win. If Tony Finau's in the mix and shoots a 68 or a 69 on Sunday, he probably wins the golf tournament. So I think there are better spots for him um, you know, maybe at some of these more difficult courses where not necessarily required to go super low, I think that's an interesting place to to play. And then uh, the last one would be Colin Morikawa. So there's still there's still a thirty three to one number hanging on him right now. Um, I really like this. So he played in, he played in the Middle East uh, a couple of weeks ago. Didn't play all that well. I think he finished 58th. Uh, last time we saw him over here, he went back-to-back 7th place finishes at the Tournament of Champions and the Sony Open. Um, you're, you can look at his results from last year, which was a T-16, and you can say, um, or I'm sorry, T-26, and you can say, wow, that's not really a great result. It was a lot better than that. You know, he, he, was, he was four over on his front nine. Uh, on Thursday, he grinds it back, makes the cut, continues the cut streak. He goes on. He like touched the lead on Sunday before. I think he like got a four or five putt on number eleven or twelve. I have to look this up. But he like had a disastrous hole on the back nine on Sunday that really kind of just punted his chances. So uh, now since then, you know what? Has he's won a couple of golf tournaments? I think this is a really good number on a guy with upside. But I'm I'm really I mean here are the twelve that I think own. 50 to 60% of the win equity. Like you can almost take these 12 guys against the field. So obviously it's Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Roy McElroy, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Bryson DeChambeau, Tony Finau, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Adam Scott. That's 12 guys. Those 12 probably have, I would say, 60% of the win equity. Uh, so if those, that is where I'm going to focus my outrights and I'm going to look towards some of these longer shot guys, some of these sleepers, some of the, you know, Kevin Nas and Taylor Gooches and Brendan Steeles and Harold Varner the thirds, those types of guys in top 10 markets, most likely um, top five, if I'm feeling frisky, but top 10, top 20 markets for those guys is probably a better way to get access to them instead of asking them to win a golf tournament that is absolutely loaded with studs. Uh, additionally, just to round out the DJ thought at the top, um, there are some good matchups for Dustin Johnson. We can get into those in a second. Uh, it's 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 unbettable at five and a half to one, unfortunately. So I will try to get as much, but I still want I still want exposure to Dustin Johnson, right? Like I don't want to write this off. So I'm going to try to get creative and see if we can find some other spots to de- deploy DJ. And let's just go over that. Let's start with head to head matchups. So there is a uh, DraftKings has a a Dustin Johnson Xander Shoffley number. Let's see what this looks like. So they have him at they have Dustin Johnson at minus. Am I reading that right? Minus one seventy five. The guy really doesn't get much value anywhere, does he? 
Um, okay, that's not bad. Well, actually, let's do this. Let's do since um, start of 2020. Both these guys have been phenomenal. Yeah, you can't even bet this, can you? Oh, my God. Okay, so since the start of 2020, I have Dustin Johnson winning this four-round matchup. Uh, 55% of the time, Xander Shoffley winning at 44%. That would put DJ's money line at minus 123. Well, he's minus 175, so you can't take that. Um, Xander Shoffley, however, I have him at plus 123. The odds makers, DraftKings, has him at plus 138. So that would be the side that I would bet. You really can't get any... Like, can, Who else can I... Can I put him up against John Rahm? DJ versus Rom. DJ wins about 54% of the time. DJ versus Rory. DJ wins at 67% of the time. Yeah, Rory's been not great. Uh, Justin Thomas. DJ still gets him 56% of the time. So there's really probably no one in this time frame that I'm using, which is uh, the start of 2020, that would beat... DJ in the model. No, Bryson's only 41% as well. So um, DJ far and away, I think, uh, without plugging every single golfer in here, going to be the best golfer in terms of head-to-head matchups. You just got to find that right number. Minus 175, even still too deep against a very strong Xander Shoffley. Okay, let's find a couple of other ones here because this one I find really interesting. This is the one that I turned my head at, and it's Cameron Davis versus Bubba Watson. And I want to see what this says here. Yeah, this is what I thought. Okay, so I have Cameron Davis winning this 53% of the time. Uh, That makes him the favorite at minus 114. However, if you go to DraftKings, it is Bubba Watson as a significant favorite at minus 137. Cam Davis is plus money. He's plus 110. And of course, the reason for that is Bubba's course history. But... Like you're paying for that. You are paying a, a incredibly steep price on him to be a three-time winner at Riviera. That is what you are paying for in that minus 137. Cameron Davis has been awesome, and he has been a better golfer than Bubba Watson over the course of the last year. He has been as good of a golfer as uh, uh, over Watson as what DJ was over... Xander, something like that. Like this is, uh, I, I think, I think this is one of the better matchups we've done in quite some time. I, I know the course history stuff, but, um, you are, you are being asked to pay a really steep number for that. And then this one, this one kind of catches my attention too. Hideki, who is minus 125 over Colin Morikawa. Morikawa does not get enough respect out here. Yeah, okay, so I have Morikawa as a favorite, minus 112. DraftKings has Morikawa at plus 100, and and Hideki is at minus 125. I have Hideki as a dog here. So, yeah, these would be the two, uh, both Cam Davis over Bubba Watson, Colin Morikawa over Hideki Matsuyama, that I'm most interested in. I I think the the wrong guy is the favorite on, on DraftKings. And obviously these are close. We're talking, you know, 55% to 45% in, in either direction, but just kind of caught my attention. So you can go mess around with, with the head-to-head matchup tool. You can put any two golfers in that you want. Um, let's do a quick one-and-done update and talk about those options for this week. 
the run good one and done, which started back at the start of the season. So we are further than most. Uh, Molinari and Jason Day were the two most popular golfers. Both made the cut. Molinari struggled on the weekend, so he kind of faded. Uh, then Cantlay was up there. Streelman, Casey, Berger, Spieth. So, I mean, basically... Uh, you know, everybody got some money. You know, there, there was not a huge miscut. I guess Molinari getting only like $15,000 wasn't great, but a lot of us got money. It it keeps a storm of shanks at $7.2 million. That's the lead. Brandon K9, Tim A, <laughs> Ch- uh, Chappy Chaps, and Jay Key rounding out the top five there. I think I moved up a bit. I'm in 59th. I think I was 68th last week. I had Jordan Spieth. That would have been nice if he won it there and took that down, but uh, not to be. And then we are headed towards, let's see, segment two. We still have one, two, three. I can't count. One, two, three, four, five. Five events left in segment two, uh, which the standings are down at the bottom. So let's see. Segment two, Saccharino 22 is in the lead. Chappy Chaps Chris Nasty, Graybo, and Gramblin Ram round out the top five there as well. Um, oh, Steve Hennessy is lurking. My bud, Steve Hennessy. Okay, he's like 20th. Um, so that's five, to- or uh, what I say, five tournaments to go for segment two, and then we'll switch to segment three, obviously, and we will go from there. This week, uh, really interesting week for one and done. Not only do we have a stacked field, but I think that you want to generally get one of those top-tier guys. And if you're talking about getting a top-tier guy, some of these guys you want to save. Um, I actually kind of want to make the case for Rory McIlroy, which might be crazy, but let me try to make this case. First things first, uh, the tour is so deep, right? I mean, just this field. Of, of the 12 guys at the top, incredibly impressive. The tour is so deep. I actually think we no longer need to have Rory McIlroy guaranteed to play for to, to be used in a, in a major championship, right? Because even when you do use him at a major, whether you use him at Augusta or whether you use him at the Open Championship, uh, you're going to do so with everyone else. And I don't, I'm not sure, right? He hasn't won in a year. Are we saving him for a major when we've got Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shawfleet, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Colin Moore? I mean, we've got Nate, like we could play anybody at a major championship. Um, do we need to save Rory? So that's part one. So I think we need, if we can get over the barrier of having to think that we need to use Rory for a major championship, uh, let's get over that. Now we look at, Course history, and I agree that course history is important here, which which is why the Bubba matchup kind of scares me a little bit, but uh, it is a sticky course history year over year, and Rory has been good. He's played here four times. He's got no finish worse than a top 20. He's He's got back-to-back top five finishes. Okay, so we've got course history, so that's that checks off the next box. We also have um, a big purse and a small field. Right, so Adam Scott last year, I believe, I believe the winner's share is one point six million. So you're really only talking about, you know, WGCs and major championships, uh, maybe the uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, where you know this is the upper echelon of 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 prize pools. Uh, so I want a stud here, and it's a short field, so I'm kind of 
not guaranteeing he makes the cut, but much more likely that he makes the cut so I can avoid disaster. And I might be one of the few guys who plays Rory. So I, I, I guess think I guess I'm just thinking of Rory as uh, an, a really good example for not you not always having to use your top tier studs at major championships. The win equity in something like this event might be a bit better. I think this is a pretty good place to deploy him. If you're not going to go that route, of course, there's going to be plenty of Bubba Watson people. There's going to be plenty of Adam Scott people. And I think those are fine, right? Like when you start laying out the schedule for the one and done and you start looking at, okay, this is Riviera. What are my best options? Uh, Bubba, Adam Scott, they're definitely going to be top of list because of their their wins here. I, I could not blame you for that at all. The only other ones I'd consider, and again, I'm really trying to stay within that um, that top 12, which does include Adam Scott. So if you're trying to save some of those other guys and you want to play Adam Scott here, he is part of that top 12 that I think that I think eats up a lot of the win equity. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Tony Finau. I think Tony Finau is interesting because there's not a lot of great natural fits for him. And also, I feel the same way about Victor Hovland. You know, Victor Hovland coming off a runner-up finish at Torrey Pines. He won at Mayakoba a couple of weeks ago, um, or uh, I guess that was more than a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago is what I should say. Vastly improved his short game, uh, which is going to come in handy, or or it's going to be necessary, right? You're going to have to be good around the greens at Riviera. He's much better now than he was, even when he won, um, what was that, his first, what was his first victory? Oh, Puerto Rico. Yeah, because he broke the curse. So even when he won there and he was really bad around the greens, he's gotten much better since then. Um, Also, what's the natural fit for, for Victor Hovland, you know, historically people have used him at Puerto Rico open. They've used him at the rocket mortgage class and they, they've used him at the work day, but that just feels like because he was one of the top five players in the field or something like that. It's just not, there's no real natural fit for him. He's so young. We're trying to find out. We're learning what those natural fits are for him. So to plug him in on a place like this, where I don't think he minds difficult conditions, right? Played well at Torrey Pines. He's one of the best ball strikers on tour. His short game is rapidly improving. He doesn't have a natural fit. He is inside the top 12. That all checks off uh, checks off all those boxes for me. So um, that's where I'm at. I'm probably going to live in that range. Either spend Rory uh, or Hovland or Finau. If you want to go deeper than that, let me know where you're going and, 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 and what the case for that is. I'm interested. I'm open to it. Um, obviously, your situation can be dependent. You're trying to make up ground. Maybe you want to go a bit further down the board, all that good stuff, but um, that'll do it for the bets and one and done preview. Again, check out rickrongood.com slash bets. Go get your free bets. Go get that taken care of. Uh, All the tools that you see are from rickrongood.com. Yeah. Tweet me at rickrongood. Leave a comment below. Good luck. Later.